Hi, everyone, and welcome to Another Kind of Wealth podcast with me, Lottie Leaf. I'm the founder of the Jura Society, a platform and private client consultancy focused on crafting a deeper connection between wealth and wellness. We aim to inspire and educate women to take control of their financial future. I have the pleasure of being able to speak with some of the best in the business, and now I get to share this with you. So come on in and join us as we hear all about today's topic. and good afternoon. Uh, Lottie here from the Jura Society. So pleased for you to all join us. I'm going to be in conversation with Sam from the Divorce Surgery. Just going to be getting in her in now. Hope you're all as excited as I am for this conversation. We've got lots to explore and I'm just going to invite her in now. So if anybody's got any questions they would like to ask, questions in the chat below and as Sam and I are talking we will all get a chance to ask as many questions as possible. Hello Sam how are you? Hi I'm good thanks nice to see you. Lovely to see you sorry we have to schedule this a little bit later um, than expected but it's life and um, yeah I think how have you been and yeah I mean what we're starting on with this conversation I was just giving a bit of a background before before we started about how we're going to be discussing divorce and the new ways of divorce and how to make it more amicable less lit- litigious is that the word that you would use um and and more yeah co- co- uh, collaborative I guess so Samantha thank you so much for being here and do you want to give us a little bit of background on yourself and your mission with the divorce surgery well thanks for having me um so I'm a family law barrister have been for about 16 17 years now and always advised you know one side or other one spouse or other on the arrangements for their children or the division of their finances on divorce and if they couldn't settle then I'd represent them in court um and about six years ago a couple approached me direct and said actually we don't want like a lawyer each we don't want a fight we just want to know what's fair can you advise us together and At the time, nobody offered that in England and Wales um, because we all thought we couldn't. Um, But it turns out that we can. So I did quite a lot of research in other countries where this is completely normal to share a lawyer on divorce and um, got regulated. And since 2018, I've been running the divorce surgery with another barrister called Harry Gates. And it's been super successful. And now the model is being rolled out. You know, there's lots of different law firms also offering the opportunity for couples to share a lawyer because fundamentally most people approaching divorce aren't looking for a really expensive court battle what they want is fairness and they'll have very different perceptions of fairness and that's completely normal but what you don't want to do is drive division what you really want to say is okay well let's look at this objectively and get you an expert view as to where fairness lies yeah, and I think that word fairness is something that is so overlooked because I think when people think of divorce, they think of fights. They think, you know, this is going to be really, you know, a division, but in, not in that fair way, but in a battle. You know, I need to have my team, you have your team, I'm going to get what I want and you're going to get what you want. But I think the approach that you're taking is just so needed and so much more human um, and, and less, less traumatic for everybody involved because it's never just the two parties as well. You've all always got the overflow of the impact that it has on children of the rest of your family as well and so going back to that that cost part and 
you know, aren't lawyer fees extortionately expensive? What What are your views on that? And how can you help to address that through, through the service you're offering? Yeah, so they can be really expensive. I mean, I think what I'd say, just a tiny point on what you were saying before, you know, this view that it has to be a battle. And I think what most people don't realise is that when you end up, if you end up going before a judge, what they have to ascertain is what's fair. And that's what the law's designed mm. to help with. So actually all this big legal process and adversarial system is all just there designed to find out what fairness is. And so when mm. you see that that's your overall aim, you're like, actually the problem is the process. So it's about how we get people to a, a place where they know what's fair. And, and that links in with costs. So costs can be completely astronomical in family law cases. And it's sadly not surprising to get reported cases where people are spending 38, 42% of their net assets just on the legal fees in resolving their divorce, which is just unbelievable. There was one case called Crowther where they spent 300% of their net assets. They spent three times more than they had in legal fees fighting about what they had. It was, it was bonkers. But the reason that it can get completely out of control is that divorce is a, a massive emotional change. It's a, a massive life change. And it brings up really raw emotions, understandably, always. Now, if you start a legal process feeling very emotionally charged, the only place you can channel those emotions is through the legal process. And so you end up thinking, oh, this is just too awful. I, I don't want to talk to her or him. I'm just going to let the lawyers do everything. Uh -huh. So then on an hourly rate billing, your lawyers are doing the basic job of your communication between you for you. Inevitably, because you're not talking, trust can mistrust can build, right? So you feel further and further apart. And suddenly you're in a legal process where nobody can give you any guarantee as to when it's going to end and you can't control costs. So that's what that's how they escalate. So what we did to try and, and change that is that, you know, Harry and I were so lucky we had a blank sheet of paper because <laughs> we were designing a whole new process. So we thought, right, what's everything we hate about the current system? And one of the things was obviously the conflict, but the two other things were time and cost. So the average divorce in England and Wales takes 14 months. So that's over a year right? When you're in conflict, when you, you've got uncertainty about your future, it's far too long. So we've made a streamlined process, which lasts for about eight to 10 weeks. And the other thing was cost, right? You can't, you would never go into any other major life change. You, know, you can imagine if you were doing a kitchen extension and the builder said, right, well, this is my hourly rate. <laughs> and I don't know how many hours, you know, like, you'd never, yeah, you've never agreed it. To no. So we thought, you know, we've got this streamlined process, we can work out and we can take the, the risk on ourselves of, you know, what are the issues going to be? What seniority of barrister does this couple need? How long do we think it's going to take? And then we give them a fixed fee before they commit. And we stick to that come what may. So it means that people can budget for divorce. And again, it's something that is, is quite slowly taking off. But but, you know, it's what the consumer wants. And ultimately, family lawyers run businesses. So if enough people are saying, you know what, we want to share a lawyer, we want fixed fee, this is going to become commonplace.
Well, exactly. And I think it really ties into no-fault divorce now that, you know, these barriers for having somebody getting out of a relationship that just isn't working for them and now, you know, dissolving. So you've got the no-fault divorce and then you've got services like yours where actually they know how much it's going to cost. They know that it's going to be, you know, a lot more streamlined, cost-effective and shorter time frame because it does take an emotional toll on you and a financial one. So you want to know, OK, this time in my life is allocated to sorting out our divorce yeah and then you know you know in six months time we're going to be out the other side um rather than this never-ending you know rabbit hole of more problems more fees more time more stress which can happen very easily when you've lost control in the battle um and you know it is a legal process, so you do want legal advice, but what you don't want is people to be scared of getting it because they think by getting it, they're gonna be channeled into some really expensive or big drawn out battle, or because they think they're priced out of expertise. You know, that's just unacceptable. And the reality is that provided you can get the financial disclosure together, you know, a barrister or solicitor can, can look at the facts of your case and give you a really detailed analysis of what the law is. And the, the thing that's really important, I think, as well, is that, as I was saying before, you know, divorce brings so many emotions to the fore, right? A lawyer is the least experienced, most expensive <laughs> therapist you could ever have. Now, if you've only got, if you've got a limited budget and you think, okay, well, I know I'm only spending this much on legal fees, then suddenly you've got, you've got budget, you've got headspace to think, do we need to have a separation counsellor? Do, do we need some co-parenting help to help us get the kids through this? Do I need a bit of a life coach or, or you know, just a couple of sessions with someone to reboot myself? Um, do we need some financial advice? Let's get some pensions advice. Suddenly all of those things seem manageable because you've kind of kept the legal bit in its box, which is where it should be, rather than the legal process consuming you which is what can happen yeah i suppose using your lawyer as a as a negotiator and a communicator is not effective and probably doesn't help because i think when people go through really litigious uh is that the word litigious? yeah it's, yeah um divorce when they come out the other side because they haven't been communicating then you have this stalemate and i think when you've got children involved especially if they've gone through that they've been communicating through their lawyers the lawyers are like right now you've got your divorce you've got your divorce then they go off if they're then not able to co-parent effectively that is something that is a shadow that is looming after that whole process as you say so having something where you are more aware of the fairness going in from the start of the cost it's not going into right I'm picking this lawyer because I think they're going to be good against this lawyer you know and building that army around you having it as a look these are what our finite resources are let's divide them fairly for everybody let's go speak to Samantha let's see what they can do to make the the legal process the least of their worries almost yeah, absolutely and and you know I think or when it comes to, to arrangements of children, like you were saying, you know, people feel there's so much stigma around divorce. You know, there's such a kind of failure narrative around divorce. And the reality is we're all just living a really long time and you change when you grow. And it's completely fine to say we've had a super successful relationship that's had a shelf life. And for some people, they're gonna have two or three successful relationships during their lives. And 
all the research shows that it's not divorce in itself that's damaging for children, it's conflict. Mm. So really what your priority needs to be is, this is gonna be hard, divorce is hard, change is hard. But what mm. we don't want is a prolonged period of time where we're in conflict with each other. So as soon as we can, let's get to a place where at least we both understand what's legally fair, what's legally likely. So we can start talking constructively because that's where people really get lost in the process. And it is when they're, you know, prolonged periods of time where they're not sleeping, they're stressed about money, you know, where am I going to live? How am I going to support myself? You know, do I need to go back to work? Do I need to get a better job? What's happening with the children? What are we saying to the children? I mean, massive questions. And so the sooner that you can get them to a space where they know some constructive answers to all of these things, you can start planning, you can start processing it. Um, and you're not constantly living in a state of heightened anxiety. Um, and that's why, you know, we've, we've got so much better at talking about mental health. But for me, mental health and divorce are completely linked. You know, 60% of people going through divorce report mental health issues. So we need yeah. to get much better at being open about talking about divorce, about normalizing it, about being like, oh, okay, you're getting divorced. Oh, okay, you're changing jobs. Oh, okay, you're right. moving house. You know, there will be stressful aspects to this. And I am, a, as a friend, I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to treat this like the worst thing that's ever happened to you because it's, it's leaving a, a relationship by its nature that hasn't been making you happy. So, you know, let's focus on it that way this is a transition it's not a catastrophic disaster i think um, exactly and i like that well having it as you know it's just a it's a time period of your life and it's a restart and you're going out the other side and now you've got you can do whatever you want to do finally some people exactly yeah no i love that and, and also, okay, I think it's quite helpful for maybe some people who aren't that like uh, familiar with divorce, you know, there's, there's two parts of it. So you've got the process. I don't know if you can explain how, how it works in terms of the process of actually the legal separation. And then you've got the finance bit as well. Yeah, of course. So for the there's, there's three things really to navigate if you're married and wanting to get divorced. Um, the first is the divorce application. So that really, all that does is change your legal status from married to divorced. And that's the bit that's had the no-fault divorce change. So essentially it's an online application that you need to submit. You can even jointly apply now, which I think is a really nice change. And you're just saying our marriage is irretrievably broken down. We don't need to give any reasons. We don't want to be, we don't want to be married anymore. That's not the thing actually that people normally end up in court fighting about. Um, the two other things can be. So the second legal part of it is your finances. So division of your finances. I think something that's really important for people to know is that it's not just about you two agreeing what you think the outcome is. And it can be hard to agree. It's completely normal not to agree. It's complex. The law is hard. It's not 50-50 in most cases because there's so many different circumstances. But once you've got to a, a place where you've reached agreement, that's not the end of the story because you obviously want that to be binding on you both for the long term, forever. So you need a court order to endorse it. Now, a judge won't just rubber stamp something you've agreed. They have to do an objective assessment. They have to look at your finances, you know, a summary of your finances. They have to look at the net effect of the agreement and they have to decide that it's fair and that your needs are met. 
So again, it goes back to that point of actually the sooner you can know what a judge would think of as fair, then the sooner you know you're negotiating within a parameter that's likely to be approved because there's nothing more frustrating and it does happen to couples where they'll submit an agreement that they think is great and a judge rejects it. Um, so funny. that's the finances. And then the third thing is arrangements for children, if you've got children. And there, it's completely the opposite. So the court's starting point is the best people to make decisions about their children are their parents. Courts will not intervene unless you want them to. So you've got no need to have anything in writing if you can agree the arrangements for your children. Now, what lots of couples do do and are really helpful are um, set out their agreements or their arrangements in a parenting plan which includes kind of the usual stuff about you know how they're going to manage their children's time between them but also you know some some people go for a monthly coffee check-in they think about how they're going to sort out holidays illness school choices in the future you know so you can get lawyers or mediators you know to help you with that kind of document for some couples, they do want a court order, actually, because maybe they've had issues in the past. And again, you can, if you agree, you can get a court order drawn up and that can be endorsed by a judge. Um, but you don't need to go near a courtroom if you can reach an agreement about your children. And actually, if you can reach agreement on finances, I mean, you never need to step foot in the courtroom. You can just send in your agreement and get them to convert it into a court order. That's amazing. Thank you. Really helpful summary. And then also this really ties in nicely to resources. Where do people go? What do people you know, need to know? What don't they need to know? And this fantastic new book that you've brought <laughs> out, which will tie all of that together. So tell us about your new book. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so Harry and I wrote a book <laughs> called, it's called unimaginatively the divorce surgery um but the subtitle is the art of untying the knot and the reason we wrote it was because it felt like there were a lot of people you know celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow or kind of mental health professionals or psychotherapists who were telling people you know don't treat divorce as a battle it's got you know really damaging impacts on your mental health if you do but no lawyers were saying that. And I think the mainstream view has remained, actually, that if you don't kind of lawyer up, you know, if you don't treat this as a battle, then there's going to be some tactical game and you'll be outmaneuvered. And so it really felt important, kind of as barristers, to, to set out in a book, actually, that's just not right. And the best way to do this is to work together. And this is how we think you should do it. So we did a kind of 10 step plan in the book of, of how we'd want couples to approach divorce, really. And one of it, you know, one of the chapters is all about resources and help. And I think one of the things that I always say to people is, please don't think the first person you call should be a lawyer. You know, it really shouldn't. The, the first thing you need to do, unless you're in a position where your safety is at risk, the first thing you need to do is think, right, what emotional support do I need? You know, crikey, how, how are we coming to terms with this? You know, as, as a couple, as an individual, do we need some separation counselling? If you've got children, they will, they're extremely perceptive. So getting some help, even just one session with a co-parenting expert, thinking how are we going to communicate this to the children? You know, what are our answers to their questions? So that you both kind of present a united front as parents when you're talking about it to your children. Then financial advice. 
you know, for most couples, there'll be one person who knows more about one aspect of the finances or all aspects of the finances than the other. You need to empower you both. So you both have common understanding about the finances, because otherwise that can be a massive source of conflict. So it's about thinking, right, let's find an independent financial advisor, not one that one of us knows really well, to sit down with us both together, to talk us through everything we've got. What are the tax implications of everything? You know, where are we at? What's our budget? What do we actually spend each month? You know, what, what would it look like going forward if we had two homes? What would those budgets need to be? All those sorts of conversations should be happening really before you then think, okay, we've got the basic building blocks here let's get some legal advice. And we kind of know actually the areas where we're not agreed. Let's get some legal advice on that. And I think that's the other bit I'd say is that it is completely normal not to agree. So you shouldn't think, oh, we're getting divorced and now we can't agree on selling the house or we can't agree on the pension or we can't agree on the children. Therefore we are destined to a long-term battle. Nobody agrees. You're getting divorced. You know, you've got different life perspectives. It's completely normal not to agree. That the issue you've got to think about is how are we going to resolve this disagreement? Are we going to let you know a kind of two-sided process take over and ultimately a stranger impose a decision on us, or are we going to take charge of this disagreement and own it and say, yeah, we we totally disagree on these five things. <laughs> Let's get expertise in and make it their problem to tell us what they think the answer should be and why. You know, and, and yeah. it is that control point. It's like, don't be a passenger in this divorce, you know, manage it, own it, it you know, and then you can budget it too. Well, yeah, they say, what is it? Compromises where neither party is satisfied. So, yeah. and, and judges say that all the time. And it's always, you know, the crestfallen look on your client's face at the end of a really expensive four day final hearing when the judge says, well, I know I'm doing my job right if you both leave unhappy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's like, what did you want? The divorce or the house? And then you have to decide what the process is to make sure that you have got what you would like and then have a plan for what you really want as well because once you're out there as well you can start rebuilding things on your own terms which I think is something that people forget is that actually life does go on and you still have options afterwards and what is agreed then you know you're going to be veering off and you might change what you want anyway you might decide to move to Ibiza and you know relive your youth again who knows And the thing is that actually the, the, the main objective really is through the process is trying and it's really hard because you are trying to rebuild your own life, but it's also focusing on, I need to work out, we need to work out a plan that works for both of us, that's fair to both of us, because yeah. you, you're, you're running a fool's errand if you just focus on your own priorities. And unfortunately, that's what the adversarial process encourages. It encourages you to pitch each of your cases at their highest, knowing that you're going to have to negotiate down. And, you know, but, but that's a terrible place to start because oh. it's, it's ensuring you're both going to be crushingly disappointed at the end. Whereas if you start mm. from the place of like, right, well, we, we've got a finite pool of money here. We, we can work out what that is with some help. And we now need to meet to the run two households. You know, how are we going to do that? How are we going to manage it? Let's look at mortgage capacities. Let's, you know, it, it suddenly actually doesn't become, yeah, it, it's maths, you know, yeah. and, 
Um, and, you know, there's always complicating factors and, you know, money that people have brought in through inheritance or money that's been built up since separation or people who've given up careers. You know, there's always different circumstances that need to be taken into account and you should get legal advice for that. But once you've got the legal advice, you'll then know where you, where, where you stand. Um, but I always say to people, if you think of yourself as a family judge, just look at it like a judge would. And suddenly it's taking away that kind of need to, to argue each side. We're actually just trying to find something that works for everybody. I love that approach. I love your approach. I, you know, more of you, please. Um, but I'm very conscious of time now. So I don't know if you want to wrap up with sort of your three top tips for a good divorce. And then I will share all of the information of where people can find you and your book and, and much, much more as well. Okay, okay, three, three. Okay, so my number one would be communicate. It's really hard, okay? It's really awkward and difficult and emotional and it's so much easier not to. But the minute that you stop communicating, you will start thinking the worst of each other, right? You'll start reading in to each other's motivations. This is the time when you need to communicate the most because you'll be second guessing each other and it's so easy and, you know, clients often say to me, you know, oh, she's not the person I thought she was or he's not the person I thought they were. And, and you just think actually what's happening is a chasm is developing because you're not communicating. So keep communicating. Um, set a budget for your divorce mm -hmm. because that will really focus your mind. You know, if you've got a budget from the get go and you say this is how much we're prepared to spend between the two of us on lawyers, on pension advisors, on co-parenting, and then you can go to you know, lawyers and say, this is the budget. Are you going to be able to guarantee you can stick to that? And if not, we're going to shop around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess yeah. the, the third thing I would say, and, and this is what we, we try and talk about a lot about in the book, is just don't feel like a failure or allow this kind of stigma to attach. You know, you're going to have this amazing new adventure coming now. And this can be a successful relationship that ended. So don't allow other people's views, you know, to negatively influence you and, and know that you can kind of control their views too. It was funny when we set up the divorce surgery, we did it because we wanted people to share a lawyer, right, on divorce. But actually, uh -huh. as it's grown, we've realized that what we do is we give couples a really easy narrative from the beginning because if they can say to friends and their children and their parents and you know the other parents on the school gate actually guys there's really no drama you know we're even sharing a lawyer it just completely dissipates it right yeah. if you're not thinking of it as a drama they're not and and the sooner that you're not the soap opera for the people around you the sooner you can move on and it normalizes it. Yeah, just normalize it. And it is normal. I mean, 42% of marriages end in divorce. It is normal, but the way we yeah. treat it isn't normal. So yeah. yeah, the more just don't feel bad, you know, and, and it's tough. It's hard emotionally. It really is. But don't let kind of guilt and shame override that because they're just such unhelpful emotions. Oh, brilliant. Thank you so much, Samantha. Um, love Lovely to speak with you, as always, and I'll be sure to circulate this with as many people as possible, along with your book. Um, thank you again. Have oh, a lovely... Thanks for having me, Lottie. <laughs> so good to see you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode just as much as we did. If you can think of anybody else who would benefit from listening too, please share it with them using the social media buttons on this page. 
and don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes too. For further resources, make sure you're following us on Instagram at The Jura Society. And don't forget to sign up to our quarterly newsletter, The Wealth and Wellness Edit, where you'll be the first to gain access to our in-person talks, events, and much, much more. Until next time, see you later. Bye-bye.